And my problem is that my affections are all disordered, aren't they? And I take it that one of the main things that the Psalms do is to order our disordered affections. That is to say, they, they gradually, as I get inside the Psalms and I make the Psalms my own prayers, the Spirit of God works in me so that I begin to love what God loves and to hate what God hates. Today on the Song Time broadcast, we're continuing our year in review. This message from Christopher Ash takes us back to our Summer Psalm series as we talk about the varied emotions of the psalm and how the Bible dresses every single emotion. We'll talk about a psalm of lament. But first, we'll be in wisdom literature again as we talk with Lydia Brownback about her book on the book of Proverbs and talk about how wisdom affects every area of life. The many voices are coming together for that one message. I'm your host, Adam Miller. You're listening to Songtime Radio. One of my favorite months of the year is the month of May. It's not only because it's really the start of spring, and it's also the month in which I got married. Um, it's also a favorite season for us to delve into our, our series, A Proverb a Day in May. Now, May is perfect for this. You could really do Proverbs any month of the year, but May just fits because it has 31 days and there's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. It's also uh, rhymes, <laughs> A Proverb a Day. Uh, rhymes with the month of May, and so therefore it fits perfectly. It's a great reminder, but you know, it's not too late uh, to start a proverb a day as a way to really get involved in your personal Bible study. Whatever you're doing as a devotional, make sure that you include a chapter of Proverbs. It'll help you grow in wisdom, and it's very simple. It's guilt-free. You don't feel like, oh man, I got to get caught up from where I left off. If you missed yesterday, you don't have to read chapter eight. Just read today's chapter 9. And if you miss a few days, you know, it's okay. You just pick up wherever the calendar is, you read that chapter, and you will grow in your understanding of the Word of God, how God works within His economy. It's it's how He has created the world, and we can understand through wisdom how to function within that society. Well, this is a great interview that I did previously this year, back in May, with Lydia Brownback. She wrote a book called A Woman's Wisdom. It's all based on the book of Proverbs and how the wisdom of the Bible, and particularly in Proverbs, addresses just about every area of our lives. The Bible is really there to help us not just spiritually and when it comes to the heavenly realm, it also helps us to function right here on earth. It brings the two together. And in this interview, I talked with Lydia Brownback and she explained to us a little bit about the book and why it's so important for us to study wisdom and to grow in our understanding and knowledge of the Bible. Well, I think especially today, more than ever before, when we have, at least in our culture and our society, when everything, wisdom has been turned on its head in terms mm -hmm. of what it is. And when we're told that love is embracing sin and exalting sin, and you're not loving if you don't do that, that is an absolute reversal of wisdom. And we see uh, as the, as the, as the, um, we call it persecution. We can't really call it that so much in our country, as, uh, but we can call it rejection, isolation, canceling, the cancel culture, whatever. You know, and, and it, as we are, as Christians, can, um, more regularly uh, marginalized for our holding to our convictions, we see the compromises, or or just not even the fear, even so much sometimes as it is. Well, maybe I'm wrong. 
maybe I maybe it is wise for me to be more loving and more embracing of alternative lifestyles and and maybe that would please the Lord. I mean, after all, Jesus, you know, embraced um, all kinds of people, and and that's where the slippery slope starts. And that's why wisdom is so vitally important to recognize that you can love and embrace without compromising vital truth and and studying the life of jesus is is primarily a, you know the way to go uh, it's it's proverbs too mm. and we do not compromise and that's actually very interesting because we typically think a little more highly of ourselves than we ought to think to be honest with you and assume that we would recognize folly if it was calling out for us but the, the reality is it is incredibly hard to distinguish folly because our hearts are drawn to it, right? We're prone to it. We want these things to be true. We want the, what is false to be true because we don't want to accept the truth. So we have to actually learn and have a, a, a tool to measure the difference between wisdom and folly so that we don't fall prey to the deceitfulness. It is incredibly deceitful uh, to fall into the traps of the world. Exactly. And I think we also need to have, it's one of the things, wisdom, the fear of the Lord gives us. Uh, the more we know God, the more we're going to understand and know ourselves. And we're going to know where we're weak and where we are vulnerable to believing folly, to following it, what can attract us to it. And it, so it's, sometimes it's not just, you know, oh, my flesh likes that idea. It, it's the fear of rejection. It's the fear of, of being canceled. Uh, it's It's uh, just wanting to be liked by our neighbors. And if we, if we take a stand for something that they find unloving, unkind, increasingly they do, biblical standards to them are hatred. Um, this is where we, we need wisdom more than ever before as Christians in this country, in, in the West. Mm. Absolutely. As someone who has uh, written now two books on the subject of Proverbs, really encouraging people to delve into it, uh, what advice do you have for our listeners who have always struggled with the book of Proverbs and, and wanted to know how to, to actually walk away with something that is actually helpful for them as opposed to just uh, reading it and being left in the dark? You know, I would say take some time, doing a, do a topical study and pick the tongue or pick morality or pick... Um, uh, your time and how you use it. Um, pick a theme and, 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 and study it all through. And prayerfully see how, ask the Lord to help you apply it to your life. What area might you want to work on here and see how Proverbs addresses it. And I, I think that's a big one in general. I think for women, I think about the Proverbs 31 woman and how um, that she is a scary person um, for people. <laughs> and I'd like to say, you know, she's a poetic figure. She's not a real person. And you think no one could live like that, um, awake and working 24 hours a day. And to understand her at the end here, she is, she is meant to be the epitome of the kind of wife that this young man the father's speaking to should choose. And it, there's not this beating over the head, women, you need to be just like her. Uh, it's to understand her in the context of the book. So that would be an important study, as well as maybe picking some other topics here. I think the tongue is a key one. It talks about gossip and lying and flattery and not just flattering others, but we're susceptible to it. And, and it talks about drunkenness and gluttony and self-control. I mean, who among us isn't going to be hammered by something in this book? We've been talking with Lydia Brownback about two books, both on the book of Proverbs. It's, one is called A Woman's Wisdom, 
how the book of Proverbs speaks to everything. And the other is a part of the Knowing the Bible uh, study guide, uh, 12 weeks in the book of Proverbs. Uh, Lydia, it's always a joy to have you with us. Thank you so much for sharing with us your wisdom, but most importantly, pointing us to the Word of God and teaching us the wisdom of the book of Proverbs. It's great to talk with you, Adam. Thank you for having me. We've been listening to my interview from earlier this year, all the way back from the month of May, with Lydia Brownback. Her book is called A Woman's Wisdom. It's all about Proverbs and the play there with with Lady Wisdom and how she teaches us in all areas of life, in particular, how to connect with emotions and our feelings and to connect with with the understanding of how God operates in this world, A, a woman's Wisdom is really a great resource. And if you have a woman in your life who is, uh, you've got to shop for for Christmas, maybe you got to get a Christmas present for uh, several women in your life, this is an excellent book. And there are these and others available on our bookshelves that we're trying to have a little bit of a clearance. we got to get rid of all of our books in order to make room for more, and we really need your help. And uh, you can find out and get all of your Christmas shopping done in one easy step. Uh, give us a call. It's 508-362-7070 ask us what books we have available, or the easy way to do it is to go over to our website and shop online. Head over to songtime.com, look at all the books, and order a book for everyone in your family and be a special blessing to them this Christmas. Well, continuing our year in review as we move from May all the way to the summer, as we get into our Summer Psalm series, this message from Christopher Ashe takes us to Psalm 74. As we think about the way that the Psalms address all of the varied emotions that we experience in the human life, this Psalm addresses lamentation or lamenting, how to, how to weep and how to suffer in sadness. And this this powerful message from Christopher Ash will explore how the Psalms address our deepest needs. If I were to begin by saying, friends, I've flown over from the UK to teach you a prayer to pray because your churches are in a mess, I think you might be thinking, hey, hang on a minute, we don't need to be taught a prayer. And who do you think you are telling us that our churches are a mess? But let me say a word by way of introduction about the task of a psalms preacher. First of all, just as a music teacher, a singing teacher, will teach their pupil the meaning of the lyrics so they can sing with understanding, so I take it that the first task of a psalms teacher is to teach the lyrics, to teach the meaning. What do the verses mean, the words, the, the, the parallelism, all that kind of thing, so that we get it. But of course it's more than that. A music teacher needs to teach the tune. And I take it that uh, my task this evening is not only to teach you the words so that we get it with our heads, but the tune so that we feel it. In our hearts, we feel the emotions, the affections of the psalm. But not only the words and the tune, I need to make a decision whether or not I am going to sing it from my heart. And so I take it that that's the threefold task of a psalms teacher, that we get it, we feel it, and we want it. So let's, let's try that with Psalm 74, and I'm going to launch into 1 to 11, this intense grief. It's headed a masculine of Asaph. 
someone in the guild of songwriters going right back to the Asaph of David's day but this is centuries later and it begins with this agonised question why? verse 1 why do you cast us off forever? why does your anger smoke? and it's very very clear as you read on what, what he's talking about this is 587 BC this is the destruction of Jerusalem the destruction of the temple the exile of the king uh, the priests and most of the people and book 3 of the Psalms from verse 70, Psalm 73 right the way through to 89 has this strong feel of exile so Psalm 79 the nations have come into your inheritance and there are a number of other indicators that that's what's prompted uh, this and it's certainly what's prompted this Psalm the destruction of the temple the destruction of Jerusalem now let me pause there did that grief resonate with you? the honest answer is that mostly when we read verses 1 to 11 that grief mostly we say what a shame he's upset but I'm not upset the way he's upset I kind of think I ought to be but I'm not and my problem is that my affections are all disordered aren't they and I take it that one of the main things that the Psalms do is to order our disordered affections that is to say they, they gradually as I get inside the Psalms and I make the Psalms my own prayers the Spirit of God works in me so that I begin to love what God loves and to hate what God hates and that's a great reason for preaching the Psalms but if the psalm begins with grief in verses 12 to 17 there's an extraordinary change of key and in verses 12 to 17 beginning with that great word yet or but the psalmist by the spirit of Christ says there's something I believe and the thing that I believe engages with the thing that I grieve so let's have a look and see what he believes verse 12 God my king is from of old and he looks back right back to creation God my king is of old working salvation in the midst of the earth he is the rescuer and ultimately the Lord Jesus affirms this confidence that God my king works salvation in the midst of the earth he's the one who, who draws limits to evil so so far in the psalm what's the psalmist done he said I want you to grieve with me at the mismatch between the promises of God and the state of God's church but if you just did that you might despair so he says as well as grieving I want you to join with me in believing in the God who established boundaries in creation and who will re-establish those boundaries and to be confident in that that he will do that he has that authority and then the final part of the psalm is a pleading and prayer verse 18 remember verse 19 don't deliver the soul of your dove it's a evocative picture isn't it of Christian people your dove the church of Christ vulnerable don't forget the life of your poor verse 20 remember the covenant so he prays let not the downtrodden turn back in shame the poor and needy believing people arise O God defend your cause remember how the foolish scoff at you all the day don't forget the clamour of your foes and so he says 
grieve, feel the distress that the place where God dwells on earth has been trashed. Believe that God has the power as the creator and the redeemer to re-establish those boundaries and plead with him to do that. So, friends, as we grieve, we grieve at liberal theology eroding confidence in truth. We grieve at prosperity theology eroding willingness to sacrifice. We grieve at materialism eroding willingness to give. We grieve at sexual chaos eroding boundaries of family life. We grieve at a culture of of celebrity and entertainment in church life eroding maturity and depth. We grieve at party spirit breaking churches. We grieve at broken lives, broken churches, broken nations. And we grieve at the darkness and disorder of our own hearts. And all around we look at the ruins of what ought to be a glorious church. But this psalm helps us not only to grieve, but to believe. To believe that the God who worked salvation in the the earth is the God who will one day make the bride of Christ perfect and flawless. And I want to encourage us to pray that as we say it, we won't say it just as spectators, saying this is an interesting psalm. We won't just get what it means. We won't even just feel what it feels. But we'll want what it wants. And that we'll able be able in Christ, by the Spirit of Christ, so to make this prayer our prayer in Christ that we too grieve deeply the ruined state of Christ's church that we too believe confidently in the power of God to re-establish boundaries to, 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 to defeat the monsters and that we too commit ourselves to plead and to go on pleading and praying that God will do what he has promised to do. Book three of the Psalms is uh, unique in all of the five books of the Psalm. The books are the book of the Psalms is actually broken up uh, into five books. Now that's most likely done because 150 Psalms would not fit into one scroll, so they had to divide them up into easier, more manageable individual scrolls. And uh, book three deals with songs of priestly figures. So you have Asaph is the prominent one, and this being a Psalm of Asaph, you get an insight into what I like to call pastoral prayers. So this Psalm of Lament is really coming from a a priestly figure in the synagogue and in the, the temple as he's crying out to God, dealing with his own sorrow. And yes, your pastors deal with sadness. They deal with disappointment. They, they deal with regret and and looking back on their own actions and feeling they were a failure. Uh, pastors across the board strongly deal with the, the reality that they cannot do everything or be everything that they are meant to be. So can I encourage you to pray for your pastor? Uh, could I also encourage you to, to support them, to come around them and not just bring your problems. You should bring your problems and that's what they're there for. But don't just bring your problems, also bring your praises, bring your excitements, bring the joys of your life. Don't just share in your sorrows, share in your 
rejoicing with them. If something great happens to you, be sure to pass it on to your pastor. That's always encouraging to see the congregation growing, the congregation loving each other. And ask your pastor, what's something that you can do to encourage them? You want to be a good witness during this year. Talk about how uh, how how encouraged you are by your pastor. As we're witnessing with other friends and family, kind of brag on your pastor a little bit. Talk about them and how they've been helpful to you. I have had more people from the community come to me for advice and counseling, all because someone was saying, why don't you come and talk to my pastor? He would love to listen to you, and he would be so helpful. If you want to be a witness, it's one thing to invite somebody to church. It's another thing to invite them to spend time with your pastor and get to know them and to have that level of of interaction and encouragement. So let me encourage you to to take these psalms of pastoral prayers and to pray over your pastor, but also to participate with your pastor in bearing each other's burdens. If we've been able to encourage you today, I hope that you will be an encouragement to us. In fact, the only way that we can stay on the air is with your generosity. That means that if we are going to continue into next year, we need your support. It's the only way that we can continue to do what God has called us to do. So please get behind the ministry here at Songtime. Support the work that we're doing. If you've been blessed, return that blessing by writing to us at Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630, or give us a call. It's 508-362-7070. That's 508-362-7070. You can also head over to our website at songtime.com, or you can look us up on social media. But don't forget to tune in again tomorrow. We'll continue looking at our Summer Psalm series and uh, a challenge to think about how to go to God, especially when we have uh, a grievance with God. When you have a problem with God, you've probably failed to understand the quality of your relationship with Him. I'm looking at what I don't think He did for me. Well, how about taking God at what He promised to do, not what I asked Him to do? On behalf of everyone here at Songtime and our late founder, Dr. John DeBrine, who has always encouraged you to grow in grace so that you won't groan in disgrace, we want to thank you for listening. From Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller with our theme verse, Ephesians 1, 3, and 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him.